0: Oh gosh, you're a doctor now. This is, so, <laughs> this is so weird. You're like an adult. I still don't feel like an adult. So this is so. Oh, I don't exciting. feel like an adult. I'm with you there. I know, but it, you have like a degree. You can put your you know, doctor in front of your name. Like it's very serious. Like it's exciting. <laughs> um, Dr. Emily Anhalt is with me right now, and this is. Kind of the most wild thing because I've had a lot of guests on that have been um, from a past life, if you will, of mine, but you are definitely the OG past life human in my life. How old were we we when we met? It must be what? Four or five, right? Because kindergarten. Is that just... Oh my gosh. And now we're like old ladies. like. (laughs) It's so wild. No, this is so exciting for me and I feel like I always knew that you would end up being this badass doctor and it was just in your blood. It's in your family's blood. It was just it was meant to be. So I'm so excited and being reconnected and on top of this you being in the mental health space I think is such a serendipity if you will that this all happened and wow, I wish that we would have known you would be in this world and we would have known that I was bipolar when I was five years old and life probably would have been a lot easier. Well, we definitely
1: knew that you were destined to be a star. That felt clear to me from moment one. And I just absolutely loved your ability to shine that light on everyone that you pass. So yeah, it is a shame that there isn't m- just more conversation in general about mental health Then maybe we would understand these things about ourselves earlier and have the support in place to do things about it earlier.
0: Do you find now, since, the, since generations and time has passed and whatnot, do you find that you see... Um, People are more open to children being not even in quote unquote diagnosed, but being more familiar with um, mental illnesses and being able to kind of see it or call it out earlier. I mean, honestly, I
1: almost go the other way where I think children are often diagnosed too young you know, they're sort of not given a chance to just understand what might be going on in their life. And we're very quick to tell kids that something's wrong with them instead of that they might be having a healthy reaction to an unhealthy environment, for example. I mean, I have ADHD and I was diagnosed at seven and thrown on meds immediately. And it really wasn't the best choice for me. And I had to kind of figure out how to make my ADHD work for me. And, um, you know, get off the meds myself. And I wondered what would have happened if instead I'd just been given permission to learn differently for a while and to tailor my environment to my needs for a little while, that kind of thing. But that being said, I definitely think the stigma is changing and mental health is becoming more a part of the conversation.
0: So funny to me that you, you talk about how you were put on, on medicine and diagnosed with ADHD at seven. Cause I specifically remember that it was the first time. I don't know why I remember that. I don't know if you had to take pill, uh, like a pill at my house or something one time, but I remember that was my first introduction to, my mom said like being like, Oh, mental health is a thing. You know, you know, your, your grandparents are on this and your cousins are on this. Cause I had another cousin that was diagnosed with ADHD at the time. And so it was like a normal conversation that my mom had with me. So I remember, I just so clearly remember, cause I didn't, I had never heard of ADHD before. And so it's just so that wild. It's so funny. It's so ingrained in my head that if someone were to, you know, put me on the stand and it was like a final question for who wants to be a millionaire, I would have gotten that right. I don't know why I remember that, but it's so strange how certain things like stick in your head. It's bizarre. It's just absolutely bizarre.
1: I absolutely have, um, flashbulb memories of us together as kids doing all kinds of crazy things. So that's too funny.
0: I remember more things about my childhood before the age of nine than I do anything in middle school, anything in high school, even my early twenties. And I don't know if that has something to do with bipolar disorder or of like blocking certain things out. Um, because a lot of my friends who are as well diagnosed with bipolar one say that they have certain chunks of their life that are completely just off the radar like don't even know where they went um but yeah I have the fondest memories and so this is so fun is that something you've heard before about about bipolar blocking of the mind
1: you know I it doesn't ring a bell as something I hear a lot but I definitely think anyone who had a complicated relationship complicated relationship with their mental health and childhood has trouble remembering certain things. I mean, there's definitely times of my life I remember better than others.
0: So right now, currently, you have started with this company called Koa and they are an emotional fitness gym. Yes. Can you explain this? Because I think this is the coolest thing. When I saw this on your bio, I thought, oh my gosh, this, first of all, most brilliant idea. Secondly, what a connection. Can't believe this is happening. And why is this not in my life all the time already? And I'm happy that almost quarantine happened because it's something that now is going to be easily accessible for friends all over the world that can be part of this program.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So COA is a gym for your mental health. The idea is to make working on our mental health as accessible and destigmatized and proactive as working on our physical health is. So there are all kinds of signals in society that we should work on our physical health. There are gyms everywhere. People talk about going for a run or doing yoga or whatever it might be, whereas mental health is super hidden away in the back of a building and no one talks about it and that contributes to the stigma of it. So... COA is working to change that through therapist-led emotional fitness classes and one-on-one therapy matching. And it's all really grounded in community. So the idea is, you know, we have to do our own work, but doing it alongside other people who are also doing that work just makes it feel more doable. You're going to go farther together together. So we have all kinds of amazing classes on things like self-awareness and mindfulness and resilience and empathy. And then also we help people find a really great therapist
0: for them. That is so amazing. And how did this all happen? Was this idea something that had been brewing in your head? Did you meet other people that were like-minded and you were like, this is what's missing in the world right now?
1: Yeah. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been practicing about 10 years. And about eight years ago, I did a big research project to study what proactive emotional health looks like 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 how would you know you're sitting across the table from an emotionally healthy person and out of this research came these seven traits of emotional fitness and the traits are self-awareness, empathy, mindfulness, curiosity, playfulness, resilience, communication. And I thought, okay, so now I know what these traits are, but what does an emotional push-up look like? How do you actually work on your emotional health in nice. an ongoing way? And so I started to do classes and workshops on these topics And along the way, I met my now co-founder, Alexa Meyer, who was more in the tech and business space, but wanted to figure out why, when I walk down the street, do I see a hundred ways to work on my physical health and zero ways to work on my mental health? So she and I joined forces and we did these things called mental health pop-ups, where we would create a space where people could come and take a class and try a therapist for one session. And we did these all over the country. And they were so successful. People were finding a therapist that they kept working with. And even more of an aha moment was that people were hanging out with each other in the spaces for hours after their sessions were over. And when we asked them about it, they said, well, because I knew everyone was here for the same reason as me, it felt safe to build community. So this is how we knew the world was ready. So we went out, we raised money, and we were all set to open our first brick and mortar space when COVID hit. So we did a quick pivot. And we decided to create our digital offering first. We still plan to have brick and mortar spaces once that's safe. But now you get onto a Zoom with other people who also are working on their emotional health. And you're guided through these psychological frameworks that help you understand what kind of agency could I have in my life? How might I be actually moving toward things that I don't want? And how do I change that to move toward more a version of myself that I do want? And that's what you do in these classes.
0: So is it almost like a rewiring of the brain? Like I always say it wrong. I always say MDMA and I know that's not what it is. EDMR. (laughs) 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 It's too funny. So is it kind of like that program though? Is it EDMR? Is that what it's called? EMDR. Thank you. See?
1: Yeah, you're thinking of EMDR.
0: Yeah. Is that kind of what it's like?
1: It's a little bit different in the sense that we're focusing less on actually rewiring your brain and more on helping you see things that you've worked hard not to see. Like we have so much in our blind spot. There's so much we don't know we don't know. And these Uh classes essentially give you these little ways of examining things and thinking, how might I be getting in my own way? Or how could I shift my perspective on this enough to consider something I haven't considered before? And meanwhile, Mm -hmm. you're doing it with these other people who are also going through this process. And it just makes you feel a lot less alone in it. You realize, oh, I'm not the only person who thinks this way. What we've seen that's been really beautiful is that people are forming relationships in our classes, friendships that are lasting way beyond the classes. We actually Mm -hmm. did a series on living alone in the pandemic a few months ago and there were two women who were in their 70s and we put them in breakout room together and they just messaged us recently to say that they still meet every week just to feel less alone since they live far apart. (laughs)
0: I know it's so sweet. So it's been really cool. So important. And I think that I've noticed that since talking about being, you know, living with bipolar disorder, being in the mental health field, obviously not a professional. I always preface that because I think that there's a lot of people that take advantage of not being, you know properly trained such as you are and are giving advice where it's wrong. I mean, not even that it's wrong because it may not be wrong. It may be something that they learn from their therapist or psychiatrist or something, but each journey is their own journey and you shouldn't be telling somebody else that, what they should and shouldn't do if you're not a professional. But I think that I have been meeting a lot in these mental health spaces. We've talked about it like in Clubhouse, like the app creating mental health spaces and open openness, um, and trusted environments. A friend of mine does a zoom, um, called space movement, where it's a peer to peer support group. It's amazing. You'll have to come. Um, and We see the same people every single week and we hear their voices and there's some sort of camaraderie, you know, because it's not even like, oh, you have, um, you know, borderline, I have borderline, you have schizophrenia, I have schizophrenia. No, we just all have emotions. And we all need that that support for one another. And I think that the the best thing that honestly happened to to quarantine, we're finding like-minded, loving individuals who want to support one another from all over the world. Um, Because I know that I've had friends who live in LA and obviously it's hard to meet up with them. You know, on the support level group, I'm talking in the mental health community, And it's so much easier to pop on a zoom and then be open to meet people from all over the world. It's just, there's something magical there. There's something magical and that's what you're doing.
1: I so agree about the magic. I mean, something we say a lot is that stigma is changed through experience You know, you could talk to someone about this all day long, but until they see it and until they're in a room with other people who they see are, you know, mostly high-functioning, respectable people living lives but struggling, it's hard to realize that this is work worth doing for everyone. You know, I think we are often made to feel like we have to wait until things are totally falling apart to get support. But when you're in these spaces with other people, you see, oh, this is part of all of our lives and this is a step I can take now to prepare for the inevitable difficulties that life throws my way. So I think that's really beautiful that you're doing those. And, you know, I really appreciate that not everyone feels safe talking publicly about their mental health, and that's totally okay. But those people who do, like yourself, are really creating permission and support for other people to lean in and to see themselves as whole humans who need support just like the rest of us do.
0: And do you find yourself getting the emotional support that you need because you're working in this, this field of COA specifically, you know, the less isolation of having a fantastic business partner, who's not just a doctor like yourself, but also just, just human, that human to human connection. It must be really, um, fulfilling emotionally and and in the heart to be seeing all of this wonderful work you're doing and having the support of these other beautiful people.
1: Yeah, I'd say there's a real yes and situation there. On the one hand, exactly what you said is true, which is I'm surrounded by all of these people who believe in proactive mental health. We really try to integrate the same things we're teaching other people into our own policies. So we have Feelings Friday as a team where we talk about how we're doing each week and You know, we're all privileging our own therapy over meetings, things like that. On the other hand, though, people tend to offer them the medicine they need the most. So when you get into a big group of mental health people, it's probably because we all have all of our own stuff that we are figuring out, and we're also taking on the weight of everyone that we're serving and supporting. So I think it's actually extra important if you're in this field, that you are finding your own support and making sure that you have a place outside of work that you feel really heard and supported.
0: What is something that you do? Um, cause we have a lot of incredible, you know, specialists that listen to the show and I'm obviously not a professional, so I don't give the professional advice, but since you're a professional and you're here, what is something that you do to kind of, um, You know, refresh your body and your brain and kind of decompress from everything when you leave work at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. So I'd say my number one suggestion is therapy. I mean, obviously, I have a particular perspective on it, but it's so powerful to sit in a room with someone whose job it is to help you understand who you are in the world and in your relationships. So that's been absolutely top uh, priority for me. Beyond that, though, the things that you hear over and over are cliche for a reason getting enough sleep exercising, eating healthy. These things really, really do positively affect your mental health and then making sure that I have community. So something we say a lot is emotional fitness is an individual journey, but a communal pursuit. Meaning like when you go to the gym, no one can lift your weight for you. If you don't lift the weight, you're not going to get stronger. But if you're lifting that weight next to five other people who are also lifting weight and one of them is spotting you and one of them is newer and so you see how far you've come and one of them is an expert and so you see where you're going, it's just going to be a completely different kind of journey. So find your people, find your community, know that whatever you're going through in life, there are people who will understand and want to support you in it.
0: Have there been any struggles where you had to... um kind of push through to to get COA going where there are a lot of people I only say this not from the medical side but from the technology side where there are people that were like this is weird because I find even still in entertainment business it's like "Ah, mental health like "Ah, we're not really there yet so I assume in technology it must be probably the same right? Oh sure
1: there's certainly people who don't think the world's ready for this or there are people who told us no one would ever want to work on their mental health With other people knowing about it. And we just really believed in the vision and really felt like the world was ready for this to be more visible. And that's what felt like it was really proved in these pop ups. We also definitely had people who, you know, when we went to look for investment, they said, oh, yeah, brick and mortar space, that's all well and good, but it'd just be a lot cheaper and faster to do everything on an app. And we just knew those weren't the right partners for us because. I think a lot of our mental unwellness is actually a result of so many of our day-to-day relationships being replaced by technology. Mm -hmm. So I don't think, even though we're more connected than ever, we are feeling more lonely than ever. And I just don't think technology is the answer to that. I think technology can be used to help facilitate what I believe really causes healing, and that's relationships. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of put our heads down and kept moving forward and had faith in the idea that people need each other. And if you can help them connect to each other, then the work and the healing will happen on its own.
0: And pre-pandemic, when you thought there was actually going to be the brick and mortar mortar area, was this a goal of trying to put this all over America? Was that what what you guys see this going to
1: be? Yeah, we are certainly planning to have brick and mortar spaces in every major city in the country and eventually world. But what we know right now is that the best way to make sure everyone can access it is to do it online. So even though, you know, I really do believe that there's something irreplaceable about an in-person experience. I certainly think the next best thing is live experiential face-to-face digital classes. So We have that going on and we'll keep those going even once we can open the brick and mortar spaces so that everyone can benefit.
0: Well, and I think that that's what's so nice. Like when we were in that um, panel conversation, my friend from Istanbul, all she wanted to do was find out more about COA, but it's so hard, right? Because she's, she's in Istanbul. So it's, it's kind of like when she's looking for therapy and, and she's American originally and, and from here, from uh, Texas. And she's just like, they don't think therapies is as important as it is in the States. And it's trying to find that connection. And I think that that's why her eyes, like completely lit up. And when she was talking to me, she goes, wow. So I can still feel connected to the outside world, but I'm at home in Istanbul, you know? So I think that that is one amazing thing that is, you know, happened because of quarantine you know is that you're you're able to get it kind of to a wider broader group and then have those people be so excited that they want to go to those brick and mortar you know pop-ups like they want to go and and stay there and be there and start that whole community i i think that that is awesome i think that that is so great
1: oh that's amazing to hear that someone on the other side of the world is you know together with people here i mean i think What's so interesting is mental health is the space that it feels so lonely and isolating. People feel so alone. And that's one of the best tricks that mental illness has up its sleeve is it's really good at convincing someone that they are alone and that they're the only ones who feel something. It's like the trickiest, sneakiest thing that mental illness does when really in reality, We're not alone in most of the things that we experience. And if we can connect to other people, we'll usually feel a weight lifted just by knowing that we're not the only one.
0: And then was, am I correct here that you guys are working with Kevin Love? Did I see that or did I make that up?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we're so grateful and excited to have Kevin Love as an investor and advisor So it's been very cool to work with him. Really, (laughs) what is he like? Is he everything and more? (laughs) He's everything and more. He's such a wonderful human. You know, he, you know, his whole famous story is he had an anxiety attack on the court, and it just became undeniable that he was struggling. Absolutely, but. What's pretty cool is I believe, despite him being such a superstar on the court, he's actually maybe even more well-known for being a mental health advocate now than for his badassery as a basketball player. And what I've come to understand through meeting him and running him through our classes and brainstorming with him and doing talks with him is he is just, he's a no bullshit dude. Like he really believes in this. He really wants to support other people. He understands how powerful it is to feel like you have permission to get support Mm -hmm. and he wants to be a source of giving that permission. It's just been very cool. He's a, he's a great human. Well, I would do anything
0: to meet him. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Secondly, it's so funny. I was talking to, um, uh, my friend, um, who I think maybe you were on the panel or, or on, in the room was Zach Williams. And we were talking about, um, you know, men's mental health and how important it is. And he's a huge advocate for men's mental health. And then my other friend, Patrick, who was on my podcast, he was talking about how he was an ex, um, NFL, uh, football player. And he said, what's so interesting and what's so hard is. in in the mental health space, women and male, right, for both sides, that not a lot of people, and by not a lot of people, I think that Kevin Love and maybe two other people are the only ones that actually speak about mental health are currently playing basketball, right? And he was currently playing when he was talking about it. And he said, you know, it's all fun and games when you come out and you start talking about it when you're retired. But, athletes and and same with entertainment business that's what we were saying we're, are so nervous to talk about it in the present because they're on top of their game they don't want to mess anything up they don't want to come out oh you know they're bipolar it, it would be like i don't know some huge i don't know football but some big football player like at the time right now tom brady coming out and saying i'm bipolar being scared is Nike going to drop me, you know, or, or is Gatorade going to mm-hmm. drop me? Is Wheaties going to drop me? And he said that that's, what's missing is yes, people are coming out and they are talking about it. Um, maybe even to a point where it's not great because they're using it as a keyword and a hot topic. They're not really getting to the, the truth of the matter of mental health. It's more just cause it's hip to say right and popular, but no one is doing it in the current state of, being a superstar. So I think that the reason why Kevin love is so informative and so incredible and in who he is, um, in the mental health community for athletes, especially is because he is such a superstar, but he's a relevant superstar. He's not someone that's like in the, the, the way, you know, way back. And we forgot about him. And now he's going to come out with this. He's like, I don't care if I lose sponsorships. This happened to me during the finals end of story. Like, well, let's talk about it. And I think that that's, what's so important is and and so cool to me that he is an investor and so involved and in not just like, here's my money, but actually like working and doing the courses and doing everything. Um, because it's people like him that need to be the voice, um, for the celebrity if you will, um, in, in this world right now. I think that you couldn't have a better investor and a better spokesperson and someone involved because uh, case in point, this, you know, NFL football player, ex football player saying this, and he talks about Kevin Love all the time. Um, so I think that that was a, maybe it wasn't even a choice, but I think that was a great choice. I just going to say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I I couldn't agree more.
1: I feel so proud of Our alignment with everything that he's doing. And the other thing that what you were just talking about made me think about is also that I feel like there's this crazy and totally untrue binary that's been created where you're either mentally healthy or mentally ill when really it's a spectrum that every single person is on and you do not have to have a diagnosable psychological disorder to need to work on your mental health. And that's really our concept at COA is proactive mental health. What does it look like Mm. to work on things when they're mostly fine to build up your resilience muscles so that you can handle tough things? And this idea that, you know, it, If only it were all so simple that there were healthy people and not healthy people. But that's just not the case. We all have healthy parts and unhealthy parts. We all have work to do. We all have ways that we could become more emotionally fit in our life. And Mm -hmm. seeing high-functioning, successful people talk about mental health starts to create a little bit of, uh, you know, a crack in this idea that it's an all or nothing situation. If
0: I were to go in as someone who was not bipolar and was a pretty functioning emotional person with mental health, what is something that you would have, um, what would be like one part of the program? Not everything, but like what would be one facet that I would, what I would learn? Like what would one course look like? Sure.
1: So we have three kinds of classes. We have Q&As, which is free classes that people can take, and those are with our therapists who allow you to submit questions about particular topics, like we've done them on uh, COVID anxiety and building better friendships and sex and body image, all kinds of things. And then our therapists answer those questions live for an hour while people chat in the Zoom chat. So that's one thing we do. The next level is an introduction to emotional fitness class. So it's a 75 minute class where we go through these seven traits of emotional fitness and just kind of teach you what this proactive mental health thing is all about. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it's experiential still, there's breakout rooms and polls and chats and all of that, but it's just a one-time experience. After that, we have an eight week series and this is where I think it gets really good where each week you're deep diving into one of those seven traits. And what we've done is we've taken these kind of complicated psychological frameworks and we figure out how do we make them bite-sized so that you can incorporate them into your life in an ongoing way. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example that in the first of the eight-week, the first class in the eight-week series is self-awareness. So what we do is we have you decide on an example to use for the class, something that frustrates you about someone in your life. I'm sure Mm -hmm. you've heard the wisdom that whatever frustrates you about someone else probably can teach you something about yourself, right? So what we do is you pick this example (laughs) and then we give you three common ways that we tend to assume something is another person's problem when really there might be something for us to learn. And we have you walk through these ways to understand yourself better through this example of being frustrated with someone else. And by the end of the class, you'll almost definitely have found out that this thing that you really located in another person can teach you something very important about yourself. And there's an equivalent for each of those other traits. So you leave with these super actionable frameworks where every time you're frustrated with someone, you can run through this this, um, process and learn something about yourself. And over time, it'll just really improve your relationships with other people and and the relationship you have with your own self as
0: well. And then the groups that you have that you were talking about that continue on, you know, with these wonderful, beautiful relationships, are those groups that after you go through the the eight-week course, then you consistently are part of once a week? How do you, how does one become part of that support group?
1: Yeah, so it's a community really. And we're actually still figuring out how to safely and thoughtfully support people and continuing to Connect with each other. And so maybe that looks like telling someone, hey, I'm going to take another class. I'd love for you to take it with me. I had such a great time talking through those things with you, that kind of thing. There's all kinds of ongoing opportunities. And then a big thing that we've seen is that people who take our classes are then excited to do an even deeper kind of work in therapy. So we'd mm-hmm. see a lot of people then say, hey, I want help finding a great therapist. Right now we're matching in California and New York. So people who live there, we can help you find a great therapist as well to keep
0: doing that work. I think that that is amazing because I think that that is one of, it's so funny, the, the most asked question I get from friends, um, not, I, I don't give any advice, obviously to, to listeners or, or follows, whatever. Well, you know, (laughs) Um, but with friends, you know, they always ask, oh, do you have a good therapist? Do you have a good psychiatrist? All this stuff. And I really don't. I really have such a hard time to sit and go, okay, who do I have? And, and it's so hard, obviously with insurance and and finding people. And then a lot of my friends will give up because they will call six different therapists and then they never call them back because mm. they're so busy or whatever it is. And then they get so overwhelmed with trying and trying and trying because it took them so long to get that, that first, you know, effort to even call and try And that they go, you know what? Fuck this. I'm over it. Like, I don't care. Like, it's hopeless. And I think that a lot of people are hopeless in finding therapists and doing these matches. And I think that that's incredible that that's another thing that you offer because it truly is the hardest thing to do for your mental health is finding a therapist that works for you.
1: Oh my gosh, you're so right. And you've described the process exactly. Correctly. It is honestly a clusterfuck trying to find yeah, the yeah. right clinician for you. It's very frustrating and it's never taught to you like why would someone know exactly how to do that? So, that's what we do is we really shepherd you through the process. You fill out a survey, you get on a call with a licensed therapist who's trained in matchmaking and she or he will learn a little bit about you and then hand match you to someone who is in our network who we think could be a really great fit. You get to try them out for free with a quick call and then you become their patient and it just takes a lot of that guesswork out of the equation. You know, the the system is still pretty broken in the sense that unfortunately therapy doesn't cover isn't covered by most insurance a lot of the times, that kind of right. thing. And that can be really frustrating. But at the very least, we can certainly help people find someone who's a really great fit.
0: Well, I love that. And I can't wait to put that on our website so people can find that because I think that that is the absolute best. Um, I am going to ask you our final question. I want to do like another episode with your um, co-founder as well and have the two of you on here because I think that would be like so fun as well because- I have like a hundred million questions that I could get into, but I won't keep you. (laughs) But um, Emily, what is your emotional support?
1: Mm, What a beautiful question. So I'd say my emotional support, I'm going to start with myself. I really believe that we have to be not our own support first. I That old saying, no one's going to love you until you love yourself. I don't actually believe that. I think we learn to love ourselves through the love that we receive from others. And I think it's okay to seek love even while you're still working on loving yourself. But I will say that when it comes to my mental health journey, taking responsibility for the fact that it's work and that it won't always be fun or easy and that I, I want to do it anyway for myself and others has been really important. So I'll start with me. From there, I'd ripple out to my inner circle of community, my partner, and my close friends and my family—people who don't need you to be perfect all the time, and you know will catch you in your toughest moments. Beyond that, I would say a community of people who believe in emotional health and support and, and make me feel less alone. And then I'd say the biggest circle, maybe, is just I have a really deep belief in humanity. I think that we. You know, I actually believe in the goodness of, of people and that even when people are doing terrible things in the world, I think they're doing their best with the limited set of resources and resilience that they have. So I think my just general idea that, you know, we, if given enough time, we'll move toward goodness, I think is um, sustaining for me. I'm curious though. So That's I'd the a,
0: best answer by the way that we've ever uh, had. Oh. <laughs> that was like such a, that was such an Emily answer. Like I'm not going to just give you one word. I'm going to give you the full <laughs> paragraph. I'm going to tell you everything because I am just going to just break it down for you and I'm going to be the best of the best. So that was perfect. But what were you curious <laughs>
1: about? <laughs> I'm curious for you to. I, I mean, you know, I'm used to being the question asker, so you'll have to indulge me a little bit because I know you ask the questions here, but I'm curious, what has shifted for you since you have put yourself out there and become really vocal about all the things that you experience, struggle with, triumph over? You know, as you've opened the door to all of these people sharing with you and hearing your experience, what has shifted for you?
0: What an amazing question, first of all. Secondly, um, a a lot and not a lot. That's what I'll say. I'll start with the not a lot. I think not a lot because I'm not... um, uh, a Kardashian, right. I'll use that as an example of not, I'm not saying like not a famous actress, but I'm not a global hundreds of millions of people are watching my every move. And so if I were to come out with being bipolar, like Kanye West, it would be this wild, wild story. Um, so not a lot has changed in that sense. Um, it's interesting with my, with my work and my acting I've talked about it. I, this last show that I well not the last show but the show that I did, I I played the Joker's daughter on Batwoman. And she's supposed to be um bipolar, little sociopathic, serial killer, you know, a little bit of everything. And when I left the audition, love it. Love it. I love it. When I left the audition, I truly was the first time that I had read a script where I was like, oh my God, this is exactly how I feel on a daily basis. Um, Not the serial Mm. killer part, but the, um, like she punches the mirror because she just can't even look at herself anymore. And, you know, so certain things like that. And I said that to them and I'm not saying that's why I got the job, but I said, you know, this was the first time that I ever read something that I felt I was heard since being diagnosed. Um, and so I was blessed to have gotten that. That was a a huge, huge personal win for me. Um, in regards to, uh, what's changed me a lot is the community that I've, I've, uh, not even that I've built, that's the wrong word that I have, um, found and brought together and wrapped in a big ball around me. Um, Really a truly an incredible community that I found um, of friends that are in the community, people that I never would have met if I didn't ever talk about, you know, living with bipolar disorder Um, fans that, that have shown a deeper side to themselves and have opened up about their own mental health. Um, you know, there was a girl, I always speak about it. She changed my life because when I first started talking about bipolar disorder at a big panel um, on stage, she came up to me afterwards crying and she showed me her scars all on her arms. She was a cutter. And it was so overwhelming for me because I'd never seen that before. I had never heard about that before. And she said to me, I didn't know that someone on TV could understand what I was going through. And I was just like, wow. So when, when I say nothing's changed in the grand scheme of things, then things have really changed because I have a newfound relationship with people in my surrounding area that I never thought I would be blessed to have. Um, And so it's really special. And for me, I think that I realized my purpose. I always, you know, you've known me since I was a kid, right? My purpose was always to entertain. I was always pulling my pants down and mooning people and dancing and just trying to make anyone laugh at any (laughs) moment I possibly could. That was my goal in life was to make someone laugh. Um, But I feel like I, I, I found an even bigger purpose of wanting to, let people know that it's okay to feel those, those dark feelings, those sad feelings, those high highs, the mania that, that you deal with um, and truly try to help parents um, help out with their children. Because I know that my mom, you know, was living with this her own battle by herself that none and no one even knew about, you know, that she was struggling every single day. Like, pulling her hair out. Like, what do I do with this child? So I know that I wouldn't want another parent to go through what my mom went through of like a private battle, you know, because it wasn't talked about. Mm. Um, so I think that there's a lot of things and really, I just want to be a voice for the voiceless and just kind of not care what anyone else thinks. If that means I'm not going to work as an actress, then so be it, then then, how superficial is that if people you know, will judge for that? But I think that I, like you, have um, true faith in humanity and I think that change is happening and it's going to be a beautiful, wonderful place for us all to live in.
1: Mm, well, I'm so honored and grateful to be on the journey together after all these years for our lives to still intertwine like this. And for anyone out there listening who's already an Alessandra fan, let me tell you, she has just been a spark of sunshine since she was a teensy tiny thing and let me tag along and watch her dance classes and made me feel like you know excited to to be alive
0: oh my god you're gonna make me cry (laughs) (laughs) well I love you so much and I'm so happy that you came on this show and it's just oh my god it's just the best for me this is such a full circle moment my mom was very excited
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I miss her too. Send her my love. And thank you so much for having me. And I'll just have to right now give a little nod out there in the universe to Kevin Love that maybe we all end up in the same place at the same time.
0: <laughs> I would freak out. I think I'd start crying. <laughs> I think I'd start crying.
1: Like I wouldn't be able to. <laughs>